Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for June 14, 2023. The Fed takes a pause for now. The Fed wrapped up their June meeting today, announcing no change in interest rates. This breaks the streak of 10 straight meetings in which the central bank raised interest rates in order to slow down inflation. However, the FOMC strongly signaled more rate hikes are possible. This is Brian Kirk, and with me today to provide instant analysis of today's announcement from the Fed, we have Kathy Bostancic, Nationwide's Senior Vice President and Chief Economist. Joining Kathy today to provide an analysis of the market's reaction to today's announcement is Mark Hackett, Nationwide's Chief of Investment Research. Kathy, let's start off with you. The Fed decided to keep rates unchanged at a range of 5 to 5.25%. Is this what you expected? And what was your takeaway from the Fed's revised summary of economic projections and its latest interest rate dot plot estimates? Well, thanks, Brian. The rate decision today, deciding to keep the policy rate unchanged, was fully in line with our expectation and market expectations as well. Fed Reserve really guided us towards that. However, the big surprise was that the guidance uh, and the macro and interest rate forecasts are much more hawkish than expected. If you look at the forecast for the median interest rate, the median forecast for the Fed funds rate by the end of this year, that was lifted 50 basis points. So implicitly suggesting two more 25 basis point rate increases by the year end. Uh, and that increases the Fed funds rate to, to 5.6 from 5.1 um, currently. And supporting this more hawkish guidance was a sharp upward revision to GDP and downward revision to the unemployment rate by the end of this year. They revised the GDP forecast from 0.4%, and that's Q4 over Q4, to 1%. So essentially removing their prior forecast for moderate uh, recession to, to unfold this year. And then similarly, revised lower the unemployment rate from 4.5 to to 4.1 in terms of their their forecasts. In keeping with that, they also lifted their forecast for core PC inflation by the end of this year from 3.6 to to 3.9. Now the headline inflation number was revised down a tenth, but that's more due to falling energy and gasoline prices than um, core underlying inflation pressures easing. So, and in the policy statement, they also changed the language to indicate and shift really the emphasis um, to how much more additional tightening may be appropriate, as opposed to whether any additional tightening will be needed. So, this shows that even though we had heard recently from more leading and influential members of the uh, Federal Open Market Committee who wanted to pause and, and assess the economic landscape. Um, even though they did that today, they paused, it was really a skip. Um, so we were debating is, is today a pause, meaning that they're possibly even done raising rates for the cycle or more of a skip. And it was very clear in the policy statement, but also Chairman Powell made it very clear that they are in a period now where they're continuing to slow the pace of rate increases, but they're not 
yet necessarily done. And, you know, the fact that they even implicitly are, are suggesting there could be two more rate hikes was much more hawkish than expected, but maybe appeased some of the more hawkish members of the uh, Federal Overmarket Committee, Fed Governor Waller, Dallas Fed President uh, Lori Logan, and Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari, who were all opining that they had seen no re- reason to pause rates um, at all. So, you know, the Fed Reserve sees more staying power and growth. They see inflation remaining sticky, particularly the core services inflation portion. The labor market remains strong, and that means that the wage growth is quite buoyant, um, you know, running around over 4%, where pre-pandemic it was between 3.5%. Um, so, you know, that keeping the Fed in what we would say is a still a very hawkish, um, hawkish mood at this point. Thank you, Kathy. Let's turn to Mark now. Mark, how has the market reacted to this week's CPI data and also today's FOMC announcement? And why do you think the market performance is different this year versus 2022? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, I guess the way to summarize it is boring is beautiful. Uh, you know, it's refreshing actually to see this lack of emotional response, uh, particularly after the really tumultuous couple of years that we've come out of. You know, in the previous year, there was an average directional move on FOMC days of about 2%. Uh, and then also between May and November of last year, uh, there was an average move for the S&P on CPI days of about 3%. So you look at yesterday, uh, we had a, the CPI report, you know, market was up modestly about seven tenths of a percent. And then today we were even, you know, more modest uh, up about, you know, just a couple points for the S&P 500. Uh, so, you know, really the fact that we're moving much less violently, I think is encouraging. Bond markets seeing a little bit less degree of a calm, you know, the move index is still a little bit elevated here, uh, but it is down pretty substantially from the, from the March peak. Uh, when you think about other market reactions, the Fed futures curve uh, is much more reasonable right now uh, than it had been. Uh, it's much more in line with kind of higher for longer uh, mindset that that the Fed has really been pushing. Uh, so right now, the, the Fed futures uh, curve is about flat from here through next January. Uh, by comparison, there was four rate cuts embedded in the market as recently as March. Uh, frankly, I don't know that anybody really believed that, but that's at least what the curve said. Uh, so, you know, we have calmness in the equity market for sure, uh, and also a degree of calmness and realisticness in the, the bond market. Uh, from a little bit broader perspective, this week we moved into bull market territory. Uh, that means we're up 20% from the low. You know, interestingly, we had a 7% gain in the fourth quarter, 7% gain in the first quarter, and then we're heading for about a 7% uh, gain in the the second quarter. So pretty steady growth from there. There frankly isn't a lot of magic to that 20% bull market number. It could have a modest psychological impact, uh, could set a stage for some degree of a virtuous circle where, you know, optimism and equities causes perhaps, you know, less uh, pain in the, in the consumer than some may have thought. But going back to the emotional response, you know, I think it's important to put that in context. Uh, so the, the current market is vastly different than what we saw last year. You know, last year, we, we pretty much all know at this point was the worst bond market in history, a third worst 60-40 uh, return since World War II. Uh, but what was less observed, less talked about last year was the level of volatility. Uh, almost half of the days 
saw a plus one percent or minus one percent for the S and P five hundred. Uh, you know that number was really only uh, uh, exceeded twice in history in 2002 and 2008. You know this year, you know we obviously had a lot of you know volatility in the March period, but we're only at about a third of days uh, with a directional move of one percent. You know, interestingly, also going back to the the CPI and the Fed. Uh, the things that drove the vi- volatility last year, particularly, like I said, inflation, you know, Fed, rate volatility, and also geopolitics, uh, they're still pretty much here, but they're having much less of an impact on the, the equity market. So, you know, another you know interesting narrative uh, is that the year-to-date return for the S&P 500, a lot of last year's losers have become this year's winners. Uh, so, you know, it is reasonable to believe that maybe some of the market narratives uh, have caused a re-rating in the equity market, uh, but it's diff- definitely a very different market than what we saw last year. Thank you, Mark. And Kathy, we just heard how the financial markets are performing. What's your outlook for the economy, especially inflation over the course of the next year. Yeah, thanks, Brian. So as I indicated earlier, we're still um, expecting a recession uh, to to unfold um, in the fourth quarter um, of this year and and persist until the first quarter of next year. So that outlook for recession has been delayed a bit, but not canceled as we characterize it. Uh, But the Federal Reserve effectively did cancel their uh, implicit forecast for a recession, and that's helping to guide um, their their inflation and, and also interest rate forecast. But then, you know, we could contrast, you know, their forecast against ours and, and understand why we are also a little bit different, um, not just for um, GDP, but also interest rates and inflation. So let me talk about um, the inflation first. Um, as the economy slows and does slip into recession, we think that's going to pull um, further and harder on inflation and downward pressure. Um, the Fed Reserve um, sees infl- core inflation even a bit stickier than than ourselves. Um, they did um, lift that core PC inflation forecast, as I said, from 3.6 to 3.9. Um, we see it a, a bit lower. You know, we're closer to about 3.7 or percent or so. And and again, it will continue to trend lower. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is going to be, um, you know, a, a sharp drop of inflation. We think it still will be gradual and rather sticky. It's just not going to be um, quite as high as, as the Fed forecasts. Um, and then that drives our outlook for the, the Fed funds rate. Uh, now, based on the Fed's guidance, we now look for an additional rate hike of 25 basis points uh, for next month. Um the the reason is that you know Chairman Powell in the press conference he explained this quite well. Um, skipping um, the rate hike in, in June is keeping is in keeping with their trend of slowing down the pace of rate hikes. Right, they started with several meetings of seventy five basis point increases when uh, they they were much further. Um, behind um, the the inflation curve, frankly. They really needed to increase interest rates very rapidly um, to catch up with the very high inflation. But then they paired those rate increases per meeting back to 50 and then to 25 basis points this year. So what Chairman Powell is, is offering is that by skipping some meetings, they're further 
slowing the pace of increases. Um, but he did indicate several times that July was a live meeting. So by that meeting um, uh, at the end of July, they're not going to have enough data points to dissuade them from their higher growth and, and slightly higher inflation forecast. So we now think, based on the guidance, they are going to go ahead and, and raise rates one more time, 25 basis points. Um, but because we're forecasting uh, a recession um, starting at the end of the year, um, and the fact that they'll be skipping meetings, meaning if they go in July, they will skip the September tightening. Um, and if they were going to tighten again and look at more towards October, November, but we think by October, November, there'll be enough cracks emerging in the economy to suggest that we are going into some type of hard landing. And at the same time, inflation pressures will be easing more than the Fed thinks. Um, so therefore, we don't look for any further tightening at that point. Um, and, and, you know, at the same time, we don't see for rate cuts happening until, you know, 2024. And that's uh, one of the things that, you know, I think Mark pointed out is the markets were pricing in, wasn't quite rational, but they were pricing in rate cuts for this year. That's essentially has been removed. And it's really not until 2024 at the earliest that we look for any, any rate cuts. Thank you, Kathy. Mark, Kathy just mentioned some things she's watching for for the economy. What are you watching for to see where the market's going from here? Yeah, frankly, a lot of what we watch is the work that Kathy and her team do uh, because it's obviously critically important uh, for the outlook in the market. But you know, it's also important to know the economy and the market aren't perfectly paired at any given time. You know, the rally that we've seen since October, uh, it's really a lesson in the power of expectations. You know, we entered this year with near universal pessimism. You look at investors, economists, Wall Street strategists, small business executives, corporate executives, pretty much everybody was negative. Uh, the strong market rally has kind of softened a little bit of that negativity, uh, but we still have very cautious positioning in, in a lot of institutional investors. Uh, and the average Wall Street strategist uh, has a year-end target well below where we currently are. Now, when you look at the bear arguments, they're saying that the market's now dislocated from the fundamentals. You know, we're facing all of these macro headwinds and, you know, these kind of historic canaries in the coal mine. You know, you look at the, the shape of the yield curve, the inversion there, uh, leading indicators being negative on a year-over-year -year basis, uh, the falling money supply, which is it really never happened. You know, these are all things that the bears are saying, wait, there's all these headwinds, yet the market still goes up. Now, the bull argument, though, is that this the case last year in reverse. You know, we had pretty strong growth in the economy, very strong growth in earnings, uh, and we had a 27% drawdown in the S&P 500 uh, through October, you know, the October low. So we were pricing in a fair degree of negativity, and that, again, was matched by the very negative sentiment uh, pretty much across the board. Now, the rally out here has obviously been very technically driven. Uh, that's uh, that's very often the case at market inflections. Uh, at this point, it's hard to make an argument that there's a lot of low-hanging fruit left from a technical rally perspective. You know, we've recovered much of what we lost through that October period of last year. We really need to see a handoff, frankly, from the technicals to the fundamentals. Most importantly, we're monitoring earnings. 
Uh, we've seen a little bit of optimism there recently. You know, obviously they've come down quite a bit, but we've seen a, a slightly slight uptick in 2023, 2024 over the past couple of months. You know, again, our attention is focused on the efforts of Kathy's team. You know, specifically, how are we viewing the consumer? And how are we viewing inflation metrics? Because those are the two critical factors in determining the outlook for earnings. You know, when you think about revenues and mar margin opportunities. Now, in terms of getting a little bit deeper into the, the the idiosyncrasies in the market, you know, we have been very heavily reliant on a small number of tech names. Uh, that is a bit nerve wracking. Uh, we think you're going to see a bit of democratization of those returns. You know, less reliance on large tech, which are frankly kind of expensive. Uh, but if you look at small caps, value, and international, they traded about half the valuation of large cap growth and about a quarter the valuation of those large tech companies that we all pay so much attention to. So I, I am uh, perhaps a little bit more optimistic than most in terms of some of the momentum maintaining itself here. But again, if the market volatility the past three years has taught us anything, it's that you should remain alert, you should be well-informed, but without being impulsive and emotional. Uh, you know, the, the importance of diversification as well, talking to those kind of small cap opportunities, international opportunities, I think that's, again, going to be very relevant. So it's going to take a little bit more creative thinking going forward than it has perhaps over the last nine months. But uh, I look forward to, to observing it along the way. Well, thank you, Mark and Kathy, for your perspectives today. To hear more of this conversation, join Mark and Kathy in a LinkedIn Live event along with John Carter, president of Nationwide Financial. John, Mark, and Kathy will sit down and discuss the economy and the financial markets. The link for this event can be found in this podcast description. And if you follow Mark and Kathy on LinkedIn, you can also find the information on their feed. Our next podcast will include a mid-year review of the economy, and we'll also have an episode on China and its impact on the global economy. So make sure you subscribe to receive notifications when each new episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide Fund Distributors, LLC. Member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023 Nationwide.